Welcome to the Summit for Wellness podcast, where we help you climb to the peak of your health. And now, here is your host, Brian Carroll. Our brain, more specifically our mind, can play some crazy tricks on us. You've probably experienced some of this if you've ever been on a diet and all of a sudden you crave all the foods that aren't allowed on that diet. It's like the inner workings of our mind try to play tricks on us to sabotage us whenever it can. Once you add in levels of complexity from your own life experiences, then it can be really tough to break through these mind games, which is why today we'll be talking about brain rewiring. What's up, everyone? I'm Brian Carroll, and I'm here to help people move more, eat well, and be adventurous. And Chelsea Mern is joining us today to talk all about brain rewiring and how to apply it to improve performance and even how to fix our mindset around different things we struggle with. Now, she primarily is using it with business owners, but it can be applied in a lot of different aspects of life whether you own a business or not. But before we get started here, the podcast now has a video component to it as well. So if you prefer to watch the video versions, you can always go over to our YouTube channel to watch. Just head on over to summitforwellness.com slash YouTube, and that'll get you to all of the videos that we post. And you'll probably notice that we have a lot more videos coming out, and they're all based around movement, nutrition, and adventure. One of the videos I released recently was on running 5K every single day for 30 days straight, and I tracked what it did to my body composition in different measurements such as heart rate and mile times. So again, if you want to watch videos like that, then head on over to summitforwellness.com slash YouTube. Now, let's dive into my conversation with Chelsea Mern. Chelsea Mern is a seasoned climber, climbing coach, and brain rewiring certified business mentor with over 12 years of experience in the sport. For years, she struggled to move the needle on her own business, but she discovered what did and didn't work along the way. Chelsea offers a variety of programs to help online coaches grow their businesses and improve their mindsets along with offering training programs for climbers. Thank you for coming on to the show, Chelsea. Thanks for having me here. I'm super excited. Of course. And I'm really excited to learn a little bit more about the brain re- rewiring and how you implement that into performance and um, helping with uh, uh, entrepreneurs and business people. But before we do that, let's dive into your background and learn a little bit more about you and your climbing history. Absolutely. So, and the brain rewiring, it's such an integral part of what I do. Like I can't separate it out from anything now. It's like something that I just love talking about it. So I'm excited to get into that. But for me, I've been climbing for about 12 years now, and it seems like a really long time. Um, I started right when I graduated high school. I'm almost 30 now. So for me, climbing has been kind of like that driving force in my life. I make a lot of decisions in my life so that I can open up more time and space to climb. Um, We were actually talking about this before we got on, I moved to Leavenworth, Washington, because there is so much rock climbing here so that I could just have it super easily accessible for me so that I can get up, start my day, go climbing, and then I can actually work when I get back home and it's really great. But climbing for me has really taught me how to work super hard to believe in myself a lot more because a lot of the times with climbing, we're doing these difficult things. And when you first try it, it might feel literally impossible, but you keep kind of throwing yourself at it. You learn you know, along the way and you start to really 
reiterate what failure and what success means to you. You're able to change those definitions a lot more. And eventually you end up doing the thing and you're like, wow, like that thing that I didn't think was possible, all of a sudden I did it. So it starts to expand what you think you're capable of. Yeah, for people that have never gone climbing or been on a wall, it can be pretty scary because there's a lot of like trust involved. You have to trust your belayer. You have to trust the rope, the gear that you have on you. And then it's a lot of work to get on that wall too. And if you have any type of fear of heights or anything like that, then all of that is just like messing with your brain. Oh, absolutely. And that's, again, where the brain rewiring comes in is not only is it a physical challenge, but it's mentally very difficult. So like you were saying, the fear of heights, but yes, the trust as well, like making sure that not only you trust yourself and you know that if you're going to fall, somebody else is going to catch you if you're doing something like sport climbing or top roping. But also if you're doing something like bouldering, you want to make sure that the pads are there, that you have people that are you know guiding you down to actually land on the pads. That's really important too. But it's kind of this constant mind game of like Am I, am I strong enough? Can I do this? Am I worthy enough? Am I capable? Right. And so you had mentioned that you had gotten to a certain level with your climbing and then you kind of stalled out. You couldn't really progress any further. And then you started to learn more about the brain rewiring and that helped you with your performance. So can you talk about what was that level? How did you know that you stalled? And then how did you start incorporating this to progress? Mm -hmm. So for me, because I've been climbing for so long and anybody that's kind of into fitness or maybe they have a little bit of knowledge around that knows that the longer that you train, it's this concept of diminishing returns. So for me, because I've been climbing and training for so long, it takes a lot longer for me to see changes on my side after I've been training. When you first start a sport, you're going to have a rapid improvement and you're going to see a lot of rapid changes and growth. But when you've been doing it for a long time, it takes that much longer to see changes. So for me, I think I just gotten to that point and and it was really frustrating because I was like, wow, I feel like I'm doing everything physically. I feel like I'm training really hard. I feel like I'm trying really hard, but just like nothing's happening. Nothing's changing. And, you know, after a couple months, like a couple years of that, I started to get really hard on myself. And it was kind of just like this situation where I'd go out and then I'd like berate myself for not climbing as hard as I could. And it was just like this really negative cycle. So I actually took a step back and was like, okay. I'm trying as hard as I can on the physical side. Maybe it's time to actually start addressing that mindset piece of things because that's ultimately what's holding me back. It's because I don't believe in myself anymore. I'm really hard on myself. And because of that, that's just creating this negative cycle. So for me, being able to incorporate some of these elements of brain rewiring and really going back to why don't I feel like I'm capable of doing this? Because in reality, we're capable of achieving whatever it is that we want, but somewhere along the way, we kind of lose that. So why am I telling myself these stories that I'm not capable of it, that I'm not worthy of it, that I'm not deserving. And how can we start to rewrite those? Can you give us a, what was that feeling when you finally broke through? Do you remember that moment? Yeah, I do. So it was kind of after a season of hard work and I sent one of the harder routes that I had been working on. And for me, it was kind of like this breakthrough and into, into an entirely new grade range. And I was like, okay, that's what it was. You know, I kind of had stopped training at that point and was just going out and climbing and trying to have as much fun as I could and really put the focus less on performance and more on how do I start to enjoy the sport again? Because sometimes when you go hard at something, you do lose a little bit of that enjoyment and it feels like work and you know I don't want my my hobby my passion the thing that I really love to feel like work I want it to feel like play and I want it to feel like it's really life-giving and regenerative for me and when I had that breakthrough moment I was like that was it that was the piece it was the mindset piece I had been kind of 
coming at it all wrong. I thought it was just the physical and if I could just train harder, do more pull-ups, whatever it was, then that was gonna be the thing. But in the back of my mind, I knew it was that mindset piece, but I was so hesitant to go there because sometimes doing a lot of that work, it's gonna bring a lot of shit up for you. You know, it's it's not necessarily easy, it's not comfortable, you know, especially doing things like trauma healing, you're doing things like inner child healing. It's really like facing all of these parts of yourself that you're like, well, I tried to shove that under the rug for the last, you know, 20 years or whatever. And now you're kind of like actively trying to bring it all up and really deal with it. So when you're working on um, your feelings and your mindset around, let's say, a trauma, since you just brought up a trauma, how can you take a trauma and change how you think about that? Right. So, okay. So I'll give a good example here. So one time when I was climbing, um, I actually decided to down climb the boulder that I was on. So I didn't have any ropes or anything. And I thought I was making just this great choice. I was like, oh, well, it doesn't seem safe to like do this. You know, I was alone at the time, um, which I don't necessarily recommend climbing by yourself. But for me, I was like, okay, I'm going to make the choice to down climb. And I ended up jumping off of the boulder and I broke my ankle. And for me, that was, that was a very traumatic incident. So not only did I have the injury, I had to have surgery that night and and it changed my relationship with climbing. You know, no longer am I able to walk. I had to use crutches for quite a few months and it really changed the way that I was able to do things. I ended up quitting my job. I moved back home with my parents. So it was a lot of things that happened in a very short period of time. And I think for a lot of us, like we don't necessarily allow ourselves to label things as trauma because we compare them to other people. And we're like, well, it's not as bad as that thing. So therefore that wasn't traumatic. And therefore I don't need to do any healing around it. So for me, because that was such a big experience, it definitely affected the way that I approached climbing. I had a lot more fear involved. So being able to do some of this trauma healing and really sit with that and really write down, um, for me, journaling is a really powerful medium. Obviously you can work with people as well, therapists, certified brain rewiring coaches. This is a great way to do that. But being able to write about, okay, here's how I felt during this and here's why it was so bad is because it essentially took away a lot of these freedoms and liberties that I had and it changed my relationship to a lot of things and just being really open and honest about that because that's what I was afraid of in the first place. A lot of people are afraid of injuries or getting hurt or having things taken away from them because of those injuries. But really just sitting down and being like, you know what, like this was this was a, a price of the activity that I was doing, taking a lot of radical responsibility and instead of blaming external circumstances, um, which I think a lot of people do, I'm very guilty of that myself, saying, you know what, like I take radical responsibility. I'm the one that chose to go climbing and that was just part of it. Like it didn't happen to me. It happened for me to allow me to have this big mindset shift around this. It allowed me to do a lot of work around my relationship with climbing and to help guide other people through this as well if they do happen to get injured when they're climbing interesting so it's it's like uh you're sitting there and you're uh working through what you had previously gone through and then figuring out you know what's your next steps to be able to work past it and uh potentially protect yourself in the future so like for you maybe next time you won't be climbing by yourself and jumping off a boulder maybe you do it a different way so you're not necessarily getting rid of those um, memories that's holding you back, but you're recognizing them. 
Right, exactly. And doing a lot of what I call thought shifting around it too. So when I said this didn't happen to me, it happened for me. So I was very much in like the victim mindset before of like, why me? Why did I break my ankle? Like this sucks, poor me. And now I'm able to, on the other side, quite a few years later, I'm like, I'm really thankful that happened because that changed the course of my life. You know, quitting my job, moving home. I made a bunch of different decisions because of that. And I wouldn't be in the place that I'm at right now without that event happening. Interesting. Yep. And I, I think most people at some point have had some sort of injury and can recognize what that has done in their lives. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's just one form of trauma. There's tons of different ways that trauma manifests itself. So um, now. How does this apply to uh, people's habits around like fitness and nutrition? Because. Um, you know, sometimes people's habits, well, a lot of times people's habits come from um, doing something for a very, very long time and then having to make a change, whether they're ready for a change or they need to make a change uh, just to get healthier. So how can you take brain rewiring and make that work in those scenarios to help people with their habits? Yes. Okay. So I'll describe kind of like what brain rewiring is, and then I think this will be really helpful too. So what brain rewiring does is it essentially digs deep into the archives of our brain to really figure out those limiting stories that we're telling ourselves, what we're capable of, what we should and shouldn't do, and the things that we can achieve in our lifetime. So after we're able to identify those stories, then we can actually start to rewrite those narratives into ones that are serving us. Because typically if we have limiting beliefs, they're going to be holding us back from achieving or doing the things that we ultimately want to do. So when we go in there and we do a lot of this work, what I find with myself and probably like 99% of my clients is that core limiting belief is I'm not worthy. So if that's the core limiting belief, essentially driving a lot of your decisions, if you don't actually think you're worthy of being healthy, you're going to probably participate in a lot of self-sabotaging behaviors and habits that aren't actually helping you reach your goals. So a lot of what brain rewiring is, is helping you see that you are worthy in the first place and then helping you make decisions that align with that. Because if you believe that you're worthy and you have this goal of health and wellness, then you're actually going to start to take those steps and you're not going to do them from a place of self-hatred or because you feel guilty or because you feel like you should. You're going to start doing them because you want to and you value yourself and you put a lot of (laughs) importance on feeling good. Interesting. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah, because I I can think of tons of different scenarios that people could, um, their brain could shift back to from like growing up, you know, being in school and stuff and being in PE or gym class and not being chosen for sports and all that. So they feel like they're not worthy to be fit because they never were or they're not worthy for lots of different things. So I can totally see how that impacts um Uh, people as they get older. So once you discover some of those limiting beliefs, how do you know the direction to then take them to guide them in a different way or to shift their mindset around it? Right. So a big part of brain rewiring, and there's a lot of different components. So there's the brain rewiring, what I call the rounds. So it's essentially doing guided meditations. You can do unguided if you want, but I find that the guided ones help people a lot more than just saying, sit here for 15 minutes and enjoy your brain. Um, That's a big piece of it. Inner child healing, trauma work, like I mentioned, shadow work. These are all different components of brain rewiring. But after you do identify those core negative limiting beliefs, what you then do is you start to dream big. And this is 
really difficult for people at first because I'm literally like, whatever you want in life, you can have it. And people are like, okay, well, I guess I want like maybe a, like a car that's a little nicer than the one I have now. And I'm like, no bigger. Like, what do you actually really want? Like this plays back into that self-worth piece and what you really think that you're capable of and the way that you value yourself and being able to start to visualize this future version of yourself. Like, okay, if there were no barriers, there were no obstacles, there were no limits, what would you want your life to look like? Because essentially what we're doing with brain rewiring is we're raising our own internal frequency to match the reality of what we want. And when we do that, we're actually going to start taking action and steps towards it. We're going to become more magnetic. Um, and also we can talk a little bit about manifestation as well. With manifesting, what you're essentially trying to do is you're trying to call in certain things, but you can only call in things to which and where your frequency is at as your person. So with brain rewiring, when you're telling the universe, I believe in myself, I know I deserve these awesome, amazing things, the universe is gonna be like, great, it's about time you asked, it's about time you realized that. So you're gonna start to get a lot of these better things coming your way. And there is a, you know, there's definitely a process with brain rewiring that I bring my clients through. I'm sure there's, you know, other ways to do it. But for me, what I've really found to be effective is to be doing these rounds. So those guided meditations and at the same time, incorporate those elements of doing the inner child healing, because that's a huge component of it. Um, we are definitely shaped by the way that we grew up. We form a lot of our limiting beliefs about ourselves when we were very young. So being able to go back and really rewrite those narratives can be really powerful. Yeah, you talking about um, reaching the goals and shooting high, uh, that's probably what you were doing when you sent that route that you were working on for so long. Mm -hmm. You probably had that route in the back of your head and you kept thinking about it and that was your goal was... I'm gonna get it. Yep. Like, how am I gonna feel? Like, what is the literal feeling that I'm gonna have when I finish this route? And, you know, turns out when I actually did it, I was like, oh, I felt that way. Like, I was like really happy, really proud, like amazed that, like, wow, this thing that felt so impossible, I just did it. Yep. A lot of athletes do that. They visualize the game, whether it's the next game they're gonna play or it could be a finals of something, something much bigger than just one game. Mm -hmm. um, and it's really neat how. Uh, you talk to a lot of these players and they've already run the entire game in their head of this is what's going to happen here, here and here. This is what I'm going to do. And they already spent that time working on that. Yep, absolutely. It's it's such a powerful piece too. And I think it really does help to have either a coach or a soundboard so that you can actually know that you're dreaming big enough. Because kind of like that example that I gave, like a lot of people just like, they're like, I don't think I'm worthy, so I'm just not gonna dream that big because I just don't think that can actually happen. But once you start to expand that and really like, I tell my clients, I'm like, okay, whatever you want, like double that. Like whatever that means to you, like go bigger, dream bigger. Yeah, it's always nice having someone to bounce ideas off of. Yeah, and push you a little bit. Absolutely. Yep. So um, now let's think about people, you know, in the workforce there, uh, High-level CEOs or executives, they might be entrepreneurs, they own their own businesses, and there's just so much to do in their business that it's really hard for them to like focus and zone in on what needs to happen. And so how can you utilize brain rewiring for that? How do you then help them to figure out how to focus and what is the most important thing for them? to improve their performance and work? Yeah, that's a great question. So I'll give a personal example here because this is something that I've really been working on and something that I did a lot of rewiring around. Um, so for me, I'm a multiple six-figure business owner. I'm trying to scale my business to seven figures, um, hopefully in the next year or so. And 
for me, what it really came down to is I had internalized this story of I needed to work more to make more money. You know, you trade dollars for hours. The more you work, the more you make. And essentially what it comes down to is if you're trying to scale your business to seven figures, eight figures, whatever it is, you're going to run out of hours in the day. Like you can, you cannot be working 24 hours a day. Like that's just not how it works. So for me, when I went in to do my brain rewiring rounds, what I really found was that I was trying to overcompensate. I was trying to essentially like make my dad really proud of me by saying like, look at what I've done. Look at everything that I've done. I was trying to compensate for the fact that, you know, our relationship was maybe a little bit not where I wanted it to be. And I had to do a lot of inner child healing around that because I was just trying to prove myself. I was trying to prove my worth. Oh, if I get to this point, he's finally going to be proud of me. So a lot of it does go back to like, what did you internalize about working hard? What did you internalize about success? What does it look like to be successful? So again, like defining what success and failure looks like to you and like who taught you those things because ultimately success can be whatever you want it to look like. But for me, I don't want it to look like working 60, 70 hours a week. Like I would like to work, you know, maybe 40 hours a week on launch weeks when I'm a little bit busier. But for me, that's been one of the most powerful tools. And also that other piece of like knowing that I'm worthy of having a seven figure business, like whatever I want in life, I'm drawn to that for a reason. Coincidences, like in my mind, they're not a thing. They don't happen. Like I wouldn't want a seven figure business if it wasn't meant for me. Right. And um, having that flexibility, too, uh, that you can create within your business to be able to, you know, live the lifestyle that you want. For you, you get to climb every single day. Mm-hmm. And you get to, you know, set your hours. You get to start at a certain time. Yep. And all of that comes back to what you have created in your brain and what it is that you vision yourself in the future. Yep, absolutely. And, you know, as an entrepreneur or business owner, like you're literally never done. Like your to-do list, you will Mm -hmm. never cross it all off. There are always other things to do, but getting down to it, like knowing that like, I'm very valuable and when I take time for myself, my business is better. I am my business, so when my frequency is raised and I take time for me to go do things like climb and meditate and feel really good, my business is going to be better because of that. My business is not going to be better because I spent 20 more minutes on Instagram. Yep, and that that applies not just to business owners, but um, just people in general, parents, all that type of stuff. So many people, they focus so much more on you know, trying to keep their family going and everything else they forget about themselves and you have to focus on you first so then you can help other people in the end absolutely yeah i know selfish has a very negative connotation to the word but honestly this is what i encourage all of my clients to do because i think a lot of us go so far as to be selfless where we put everybody else's needs in front of our own and we feel like heroic for doing it but you vanish and you disappear in that process and who are you helping then you're not helping yourself and you're certainly not helping other people yep exactly well um going back to uh uh, working with climbers and stuff i just want to hear a little bit about uh what are some training strategies for climbers to improve their fitness i love this so for me climbing was my foot in the door and I will always have such a passion for climbing coaching because it's really the thing that gave me my start. From there, I was able to pivot to more of business coaching, brain rewiring, but climbing training, like, yeah, it just holds this really special place. So I've been training myself for about eight years now, about four years into climbing. I was like, okay, it's time to experiment. Like, I really just want to see, like, how strong can I get? And what it really comes down to is identifying. So either, you know, asking your friends or
or you can take video of yourself or even hiring a coach, being able to say like, okay, what am I really good at? And what do I potentially have, you know, capacity to, to do some work around? What are my weaknesses essentially? And I don't really like to call them weaknesses because I think it's just all a piece of the puzzle that you can really start to work on. But also then remembering like, why do you want to get stronger? Like, is this attached to like, you just want to prove somebody else wrong. You want to keep up with your friends. Like, where's that drive coming from? Because if it's not coming from you internally, that's going to be a really shallow pool to draw from, you know, proving other people wrong. Like that's, that's probably going to run out. It's not going to feel very great. So just remembering why you're training in the first place and then making sure like if, if you do anything, do it consistently. Like that is the piece that's going to get you the farthest. Like in all reality, and I tell my my training clients this is like, it doesn't really matter what you do. It matters that you do it often. Like do the workouts that I give you and you're gonna get results from it. It doesn't matter if you do them perfectly. It doesn't matter if you skip a section. It doesn't matter if you take a day off. Like as long as you're showing up to do the work consistently, that's what's gonna get you the results. Yep, there's nothing worse than doing one workout and then nothing for a month, and then expecting to get the same results. <laughs> Wait, I'm not stronger? What? <laughs> yeah, I don't understand how that doesn't work. So uh, for nutrition then, because uh, you had mentioned that you changed uh, some of your nutrition and stuff while you were working on your climbing, uh, what what were some of the main nutrition changes that you made? Yeah. So, like, Did you adjust your macros or what? Just... Oh, I've Food done, quality in general? Yeah, I've done everything under the sun. So for me, <laughs> I really discovered that like gluten doesn't, does not sit well with me. Gluten and dairy, like we are not friends. Figure that one out um, about 10 years ago and I'm really glad that I did. But from there, I've experimented with just about every diet under the sun to try and increase climbing performance. And what I really found ultimately is that having a pretty decent amount of carbohydrates in my diet makes me feel really awesome. Um, not only does it make me climb a lot better, but my hormones are a lot healthier and happier as well and therefore I'm healthier and happier <laughs> my hormones aren't like totally bottomed out and I'm like hangry all the time but for me I went through this period of time where I was like okay you know it's the low carb craze like I'm gonna try out this thing and see how it works and I was really low energy I wasn't performing well I didn't feel awesome I wasn't sleeping well so it was just kind of like this cascade of effects and once I started to really add carbohydrates back in there I'm still gluten free I'm still dairy free but I have a lot more flexibility in what I eat now I was strict paleo for about eight years of, and it, you know, it was fine. But then I came to a point where I was like, I think it was actually during the pandemic where I was like, when it first hit that I was like, you know what, like, what's the point of this? Like, I need to be able to eat as many foods as possible. Um, you know, going to the grocery store during that time, it was kind of like, ooh, <laughs> this isn't the most fun activity in the world. So I was like, you know what, like, there's no point in being this restrictive for just no reason. Like I did a lot of gut healing, so I'm able to tolerate a lot more foods now, which feels really good. So being able to have a lot less restriction in my diet, like feels, feels really great now. So when you were testing all the different diets, how long did you give yourself before you determined that was not good? Yeah. So I think I was vegetarian for about a year. I was vegan for about a year as well. And neither of those worked well for me. You know, I, I do think that they can work for some people for sure. But for me, I was getting injured all the time. Um, I had really low energy. I lost too much weight for like my body type to where you know, it made climbing feel just like I was drained. I was exhausted. I was just like done for the day. Couldn't even do homework, couldn't do anything else. And so usually, you know, I, I gave it a, like a decent shot. And then paleo is the thing that I was like, okay, yes, that's the thing that I really want to experiment with. Um, so I've been gluten-free for about 10 years. I don't plan on adding that back in. Um, but yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a fun ride. Yeah, that's actually quite a long time. A lot of people, they'll do like one week. 
Like I tried this diet for one week. I tried keto for one week. It didn't work. Right. I'd say <laughs> so like, you actually, yeah, like one year, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I would say minimum like a month of like, for me, I think going lower carbohydrate within paleo. So that's a pretty like, you know, it's kind of like a restriction within a restriction. I think I tried that out for about four months and then kind of came to the conclusion like, okay, we need to move on. <laughs> Perfect. Well, um, my final question for you is what is your vision of what healthy looks like and what are three things you do daily to reach that vision? Ooh, this is a great question. So for me, what healthy looks like is honestly like that contentment that happens. And I think so many of us go through life just like searching, like the grass is greener, like it's going to be better when and if I do X, Y, and Z. But for me, healthy looks like I'm good here now. Like I am really happy with what's happening. And, you know, that can be in all different aspects of your life. So I know that sounds like really broad, but for me, it just kind of clicked the other day that it's like, wow, yeah, like I'm really happy. And because of that, then I'm going to be healthier as well. And the the three things that I do daily. So for me, um, I don't actually start working until about noon. So for me taking calls and having client meetings and things, I typically try to not start working until noon. So I really block off my mornings. I'm very protective of them. Um, and setting that hard boundary allows me to do the things that I love, like climbing, running, whatever it is in the mornings and take that time for myself. And ultimately like things can wait, you know, it's not going to be like an immediate pressing emergency. Another thing that I do to be really healthy is I make sure that I am spending time outside. <laughs> so that's going to be probably rock climbing for me. Like, I literally like was in the sun this morning and I was just like, yes, like I feel like a plant right now. I'm just like soaking all this in. It feels really good. And then also I've started actually taking electrolytes right away when I wake up and that makes me feel awesome. Um, I don't know why I hadn't been doing that before, but now I'm like, I don't think I'm ever going to stop. Like it's just the best thing ever. Yeah, I love electrolytes. Do you have a specific one that you've been using? I really like the Element ones from Rob Wolf. Um, the raspberry yep, flavor. Oh my god, it's so good. Yep. <laughs> so yep, raspberry is my favorite too. Oh yeah, okay, we're on the same page. <laughs> yep, yeah. They're probably the best electrolytes I have found so far. Same. They're amazing. Yep, absolutely. Highly recommend. Well, people can find uh, more about you at ladybetacoaching.com. You also have your podcast. Can you talk about what you um, discuss on your podcast? Yeah. So on my podcast, we talk a lot about spirituality, business. We talk a lot about brain rewiring. I bring on people to guest interview about their experiences. I do still talk about climbing and climbing training as well. Every once in a while, I'll throw in an episode about that. But it's pretty much just whatever I feel like talking about. Awesome. And how many episodes do you have? I have 37. Ooh, I know. Nice. We're getting there. That's a lot of work. <laughs> and then um, you also have Instagram. You like Instagram as well. Um, is there any final things that you want to share with us? I think usually the thing that I tell people is if you are not happy with where you're at in life and you kind of like have this feeling in the back of your mind, like something needs to change, I would say look into something like brain rewiring because for me, it changed my entire life. I was finally like, oh my God, I can stop being so mean to myself. Thank God. (laughs) And it was just like this big, like hundred pound weight just like falling off of me and it's so much easier to like move through my life now knowing that I have a lot of these tools and resources to where I like I don't need to take things out on myself I don't need to take things out on other people and I can be a lot more responsive to things than reactive and it just like for me I just feel a lot better day to day 
All right. Well, thank you, Chelsea, so much for coming on and sharing with us uh, different ways that uh, climbers can train and then also how to incorporate brain rewiring into our daily lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Brain rewiring is definitely an interesting concept. And if you have ever used it before, I would love to hear more about your experience in the comments at summitforwellness.com slash 150. Now, next week, I have Naveen Hedarachi on the show. Let's go learn who he is. I am here with Naveen Hedarachi. Hey, Naveen, what is one unique thing about you that most people don't know? So, Brian, one unique thing that people don't know is uh, a lot of people like really put me into buckets, right? If you, um, if you ask a uh, uh, Washington... Washingtonian who know me for the Washington Redskins, they're going to say I'm an athletic trainer. A Washingtonian who, uh, Washingtonian who knows me from a Washington Mystics, they're going to be like, oh, he's a strength and conditioning person. Or Was- uh, Washington Wizards person, they're going to be like, oh, he does uh, functional medicine or physical therapy or rehab. Or if you look at my IG right now, you'll be like, oh my God, this, this guy is a biohacker. Or if you look at my Facebook, you'll be like, this guy is a functional uh, nutritionist. So what people don't know is that one of my biggest skill set, I connect the dots, right? Because of what I have learned traveling around the world from this pioneers of osteopaths, chiropractors, physical therapists, functional medicine, acupuncturists. I had the different lenses. I could connect the dots. So I almost want to call myself the connect the doctor dots, even though people consider me as an army Swiss knife. Swiss knife. I like it. I, it's great that, um, you know, you're not just looking through things through one lens because uh, then it, you are blind to other avenues that could be of importance for health. And you're able to look through all those different lenses and put the pieces together. That's fantastic. And what will we be learning about in our interview together? The biggest thing I want to show you and teach you and our audience is that you are the healer for your own self, right? For example, say you break a finger or ankle, you go to the doctor, doctor put the bones together, but who heals it? You heal it. We get a paper cut. Who heals it? You heal it. You are the healer. You are the CEO of your own health. So I want to give you tips, guidance, suggestions, and be a cheerleader to know that you can do it. You can heal your own self without needing any pharmaceuticals, any other substance. And what are your favorite foods or nutrients that you think everyone should get more of in their diet? I love that question. You know what? Uh, I know where you're coming from. You're your functional uh, therapist. To me, that's... Uh, I'm going to use one of your words, bio-individuality. For me, every person has unique needs, unique nutrition, right? It could be now for 20 years, I never touched a glass of milk because I saw how people are sensitive to, I felt a little irritated, but I went to Tanzania, I saw Maasai people drinking raw milk. So I came back to America, I did another food sensitivity test on myself, I found out I'm really good with dairy, then I started to slowly introduce raw milk to myself, right? So it's all about trying, trying food to see if that matches your bio-individuality, I call it the thumbprint diet, if that matches with your gut, 
your food sensitivity at the end of the day doesn't match up with you where you could sleep well, you have good energy and you don't have any side effects from that food. So we got to find the food that specific to you. But when it comes to me, I always try to find out what the animal ate, how did the animal was treated that's my number one question when it comes to plants i want to know what they sprayed i want to know how they harvested so i'm in washington dc i literally drive about one hour every week to go to the farm see touch and grab the meat the the organ meats the liver heart um and the vegetables myself so I highly recommend i know it's it's like an inconvenient driving all this traffic but that inconvenient, are you going to pay now or are you going to pay later when you have to drive to the doctor, to the pharmacy, to the hospital and pay all these medicine bills? So you could kind of figure out now it was, it's fun, you, you get to stay healthy or later on you get to do sick care. And what are your top three health tips for anyone who wants to improve their overall wellness? Um, I would say top three things is... Uh, I know we dive deep into this podcast on sleep, nutrition, proper movement, but it's really bracketed by being mindful. When you're in a really uh, at a good mindful, then you get to heal within yourself. If you're not being in a good bracket or mindful, it doesn't matter what you have done. It doesn't matter how much CrossFit or soccer or basketball or how many wads that you do, you can repair and heal yourself. You can't sleep. It doesn't matter how much organic or vegan, vegetarian, keto or carnivore meals that you eat. If you're not in a good mindful, you're creating bad microbiome in your gut, right? That affects your brain. That's all type 3 diabetics. That's Alzheimer's. So being mindful is really the, the connecting dots of everything that you do as a human being. Because thoughts what create wellness and sickness. So thoughts are what vibrates, vibrate us. So we got to be in a high vibration. So sleep, nutrition, uh, movement, but it's really surrounded by being a mindful human being. That episode was a ton of fun to record. And Naveen has had a lot of experience with athletics and working with athletes and high level people. So until next time, keep climbing to the peak of your health.